Explore the benefits and the wisdom that can be gained from one of the oldest and most globally prevalent forms of meditation, Vedic meditation, with teacher Dr. Lana Loxton. Lana, also a chiropractor, shares her journey to finding Vedic meditation and the rigorous process she underwent to become a teacher. She also provides insight about what is actually involved in the technique. What is of most interest from this discussion is the role our nervous system plays in defining our everyday experiences and the specific focus of Vedic meditation on restoring the nervous system to reduce stress and improve our quality of life. Lana also puts forward the importance of developing a personal daily practice to create space and capacity so that we are not left at the whim of life or more importantly, the reactions of our own nervous system. Lana brings with her a wealth of lived experience with Vedic meditation, which makes this a very pragmatic and approachable conversation about this 5,000-year-old practice. So enjoy, Lana. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. Meditation, more specifically Vedic meditation, its application, are what we'll be exploring today with my guest, Lana Loxton. Lana, welcome to the show. Hi, Bryn. Thank you very much for coming on this blustery start of winter's day. I know, it's so wild out there. It is. Yeah. So, um, you were originally born in Western Australia. Yes, in South Perth, in a little, tiny little hospital out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tell me, what was it like for you growing up in WA? Um, It was great. Um, we I grew up out in the foothills um, near Kalamunda area, and you know we used to ride our bikes and catch tadpoles, and you know we had a little neighbourhood street gang. Um, yeah, so it was really fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. It's a it's a it's uh, I think it's a great place. Most a lot of people say this. It's a great place to have a family, and I think it's a great place to be a child. So yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it. What were some of your best memories of growing up? All that stuff, like, All that stuff. you know, riding around. We had a BMX track, you know, in the back of the, the block. And, um, gee, we even had, like, blue-tongue lizards in, in you know, like, our backyard. And I, I really enjoyed all that nature time. And, mm. and, you know, my dad would take us out to the the local school oval at night and we'd stare at the stars and you could actually see them and yes. you know, those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, I, I loved the, the nature, um, and the environment of being in WA and the great weather and all that sort mm. of jazz. Yeah. Did you class yourself? Would you class yourself as a, a proud West Aussie? Um, well, look, I, I've represented Western Australia. I, if yeah. there are any sporting events, I'm always, pro Western Australia. So I yeah. suppose I am that I've never thought about that in the past. Um, mm. but you know, I've lived away from Perth and then, um, there's something about it that brings me back. You know, there's something about Western Australia. So I suppose so. What was it that brought you back? Um, well, I always joke that it was the weather in Glasgow. <laughs> I've been <laughs> to switch anyone off. <laughs> Which, I know. Um, but it's the lifestyle, you know, I'm, very interested in having a balanced life and and a healthy life and well well being um you know being able to focus on some well being and I find in big cities um or other places in the world it's a little harder to have that mm. um great balanced life and so coming home to Perth 
and especially living in Frio area, I just find there's there's so much space for that. Mm. Yeah. So you um, you're a chiropractor, yes, as well as a teacher of Vedic meditation, yeah, and there's acupuncture in there. Yeah, there's a strong theme of helping, healing, promoting well-being in others. Mm-hmm. In what you do, where does that come from in the Lana story? Where does that drive? Um, Is it from childhood role model? Yeah, look, I've, I've, you know, I was always. I can remember in year one, Mrs. Evans asked me to whenever the class would sleep. Um, you know, you'd have little nap times in year one. She'd always ask me to come over and massage her shoulders, you know, and um, that that was always naturally me to um, be, you know, um, giving people massages or touching people or whatever it is in, in you know, obviously a PC sort of way. And um, so it's just a part of who I always have been. And then, you know, with... I got a little waylaid with that, with my sporting career. Um, And then I had some major injuries, which then led me to recognize, hang on a minute, what am I actually here to do? Um, And what do I want to share rather than, you know, sports very self-absorbed, to be honest. It's all about you and, you know, how good you are and what. you played hockey. Yes, yeah. For some time. Yeah, yeah. So um, I feel like it's something that's always been there. And something that I couldn't ignore. Right. Mm. And is there just like an implicit drive within you or is there an actual specific impact in the world that you can see? (laughs) Um, Look, it's... It's always an interesting question. I mean, the the quick answer. There's a big smile on my face. The quick answer is raising consciousness of the planet. Yeah. Um, You know, how can we as a people live in a um, more connected, conscious, uh, blissful way rather Mm. than, you know, all of the the Trumps and the ScoMos and the the this and the that, you know, that's just sort of um, doesn't necessarily have a nice vibe about it. So... Um, what do you mean by not a nice vibe? Well, it's like there's a lot of hate and there's a lot of, um, you know, whether it's racism or, um, you know, saying that other people aren't quite as worthy as other people or, you know, um, everything's driven around money, all those sorts of things. For me, um, you know, I suppose connecting with other human beings and being as self-aware as possible will make life and the universe a much happier place. Mm. And is that does that sort of underpin what you do, whether it's chiropractic or meditation? Or... It underpins my whole life. Right. Which means it goes into my profession as well. There's not that much difference between my personal life and my professional life either. Mm. In that, um, so that's kind of Lana's purpose here. That's right, yeah. And it's it's I, I feel like, um, you know... Well, especially with the sort of work I do, practicing what you preach is very important. Otherwise, it's I, I'm I'm very interested in people being authentic, whatever mm. their offering is. Mm. I don't mind what you do, but be authentic about it and and you know live what you what you speak. So, yeah. Mm. So I was particularly interested to talk to you today because um, a few weeks back I had a lovely lady called Erin Lane 
who came and talked about the benefits of, of meditation in general on her life mm-hmm. um, and how it helped her to see the negative patterns that she was getting caught up in in terms of toxic relationships, mm-hmm. substance abuse, certain things like that. And, and it was quite a... It was quite an impressive story in terms of the outcomes that meditation can deliver. Mm-hmm. What I'm interested in is talking to you about, particularly, is because that seems to be a, like a, a broad conversation about meditation, full stop. Right. Yeah. When it's it's something that I've come across in the past, and I make a practice as I said before early about sitting still now, is that meditation is it not da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Um, so when one considers right I want to get into meditation and I've got my bunny ears up yeah. here um, how do I go about picking a method a modality or something like that so to actually speak to somebody who's gone and had a deep dive in one particular area is what drew me in to mm. wanting to talk to yourself so I suppose if we start off at a summary level, what is Vedic meditation? Yeah. How does it differ itself from anything else out there? Mm-hmm. And, and and what is its focus? Mm. There's three really good questions. To get you going. <laughs> yeah, and all the preamble as well that I'm still. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're we're focusing on what is Vedic meditation. So Vedic meditation is a five thousand year old technique. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm. it's traditionally from India and it comes from the Veda and the Veda is um, all and the universe and a, a lot of yogis. If any yogis are listening to the podcast, would have heard of the Vedas. Have you heard mm. of them? I've heard of them. Heard of them. I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. Are it's, they Vedas it's, plural. Um, well, there. Yeah, there's a few different types. Um, well, there's Rig Veda, which is the the main umbrella, and it's basically what I love about it is it's um, discussing life in the universe, and this is from you know thousands of years ago. But the best thing is is that it's linked with what we're discovering currently in quantum physics. So mm. I absolutely love it. You know, they were on the ball five thousand years ago, and mm. we're now sort of working out how to get back you know, on bunny the ball. ears proof. Get back on the ball. Get back on the ball. That's <laughs> right. Method. That's right. And so Vedic meditation comes from that um, lineage of knowledge, that tradition of knowledge, and it's a mantra-based meditation. So, um, you know, I, I definitely dip my toe in other meditation techniques, and I found them relaxing, but I didn't yeah. quite meditate. I didn't quite get embody what meditation was. I could feel relaxed. Yeah. Um, so what does that mean for you? Like, what, it's not quite what is, meditation. Yeah, so meditation is where you um, feel the transcended plane. And, you know, to explain that term, if you think about the ocean and you've got the choppy ocean um, above and then you've got that the bottom of the ocean, that really uh, sort of yes. that, that deep, quiet um, place where you just, you're floating and there's that, you know, um, there's silence, there's a peace, there's there's a, a connection to to oneness you know when you're sort of floating down there that's the yes. sort of that's meditation that's a nice analogy oh it's beautiful <clears throat> i mean i'm sure you could see it just then when yes. i was sort of tuning into it it's like oh yeah you know i want to go there all the time yeah um and prior to vedic meditation i found it difficult to find that place 
Right. Um, and the first time I, you know, I received my mantra, um, I lost my hands. I was sitting there with my eyes closed, repeating my mantra innocently and smoothly inside. And all of a sudden I couldn't feel my body anymore. And in particular, my hands. And I was like, this is cool. I like like this, you know? So yeah. Yeah. And so the mantra I think is, is makes Vedic meditation really accessible for people. So Mm. there are different mantras, um, depending on life stage and physiology and things like that for different people, not an infinite number, but, um, different ones. So it's like a little catalog. Which one do you? That's right. Which one's going to suit you? Yeah. Um, and what's nice is you you you're sitting there. You're comfortable. It's effortless, and you're repeating the mantra. So rather than um, you know trying to be quiet or trying to watch the thoughts, you know mm. um, I'm just trying to watch this or what you know, and and let me oh, just be quiet. The breath and then, yeah, oh, that's shit, right. That four yeah, or yeah, seven? yeah. <laughs> that's right. How many seconds am I breathing in and then breathing out? It's actually so effortless, and you're just repeating the mantra inside. If you have a thought, you come back to the mantra. If you the mantra becomes more and more subtle and you lose it and you're at the bottom of the ocean, when you're like, yes, I'm meditating, then you go, oh, shit, I'm not meditating anymore. Mantra, <laughs> mantra, mantra, mantra. Yeah. Um, and so I feel there's a power in the mantras as well with so meditation. So it always gives you one simple thing to focus on. Yes, that's right. And we try not to use the word focus because... Um, oh, yeah. Because with focus, that's what we do in life. Action, achievement... Um, you know, it's this cycle that we have, you know, okay, what can I do to become fulfilled? Or if I just focus myself on this, you know, like for me, if I can just become a chiropractor, then my life will be happy. Well, Mm. guess what? I became a chiropractor and I still was this was the same. I was still Lana and I still had that nervous system inside of me that was experiencing the world. Science is very outcome focused, isn't it? That's right. Life is, life is outcome focused. It's just totally. And so with, um, meditation we're not focusing on the mantra we're just we call it innocently favoring it we're just allowing it to come in Sorry, like innocently favor the mantra yeah so allow it to come in like you would think any other thought um, if you're having a thought just innocently favor the mantra come back to the mantra yeah. rather than trying to focus on it you know and give Why it a big cuddle cuddle mantra 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 hang on to the yeah. mantra because then you're squeeze, never going to go squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. yeah that's right and then you're focusing and you're in that action achievement cycle mm. um, and you're never going to get to the bottom of the ocean if you you're applying the way we are with everything else in the world to meditation so is it more focusing on the doing um, the effort no focus <laughs> so so the effort is sitting down yes you know vedic meditation is practiced 20 minutes twice a day yeah and the effort is getting your ass to the chair and sitting down mm. um that's that's what requires the effort the rest of it's effortless mm. yeah mm. and it's um lovely it's blissful mm. so, yeah so, and also with Vedic meditation as well, you know, you don't have to sit up like a, a yogi, you know, sort of sitting upright, no back, you know, not sitting against the chair and trying to, you know, look, oh, yeah, look like a meditator, you know. Um, oh, yeah. And all that that means. That's right. But actually with Vedic meditation, it's all about being effortless. So we want to have our body supported. So we sit back, we find a comfy chair, or we can sit leaning against the wall or whatever it is. And actually, um, just allow ourselves to be completely relaxed. Um, Can I ask, do you have a nod off? Um, in it, 
<laughs> Some people go to if you're lying down, sleep chemistry is released in the brain, and we tend to fall asleep. So yeah. it's a it's a no lie down practice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Um, but generally, sense. the with people when they first start, if they've got a lot of fatigue in their bodies, they'll feel like they've fallen asleep, but somehow they'll come out at twenty minutes. Mm, so um, like so deep trancey check out. It's a it's a deep rest that the body's requiring in order to heal and to go where it needs to go. So mm. um, one other thing about Vedic meditation is it's it's called Nishkam Karma Yoga. You know, because um, everyone thinks of yoga as poses. Mm. Everyone in the West thinks of yoga as poses, but yoga's um, about unity. It's a yoke, yoke, egg, you know, unity. And so mm. it's about coming to a place of, of unity with one and all and nishkam karma yoga is the yoga of least effort so yeah so it's about being as effortless as possible um and and finding that place of of yoga Hmm. cool so tell me about your story with this how did it come into your life where were you at that place um and why do you think it turned up Okay, well, I mean, I've been doing a lot of different study in, you know, I've done energetic psychology and I've done, um, I've worked, I've gone to the States, I've gone to many different places in the world and studied with masters of what they do. You when know, did just that to, start? Um, really, this journey started, I, re- I read the Celestine Prophecy by yeah. Jane. I read that... Um, were you traveling at the time? No. <laughs> I did. But, I yeah, was. <laughs> yeah. And I was about 17. Yeah. And, right. and um, I mean, I'd always had questions and I suppose in my family environment, you know, there was a certain element of spirituality rather than, you know, an institutionalized religion, just a, a spirituality. And um, my dad always had autobiography of a yogi on his bedside table. Mm. Um so, um, you know, there was an awareness of that sort of thing. But after reading the Celestine Prophecy, which I haven't read in years, and, um, you know... There's no shame. There, <laughs> yeah, that's really sparked that, okay, you mm. know, I, this is the sort of life I want to lead. I want to, you know, there's more out here, more out there than what we just see. You know, this table, the drink bottle, the microphone, you know, like there's more than what we're just mm. seeing in these models that our brain creates. And so... I, um, I, it started then and I've done lots of different courses. I've been out in Uluru for 10 days, you know, and just all sorts of weird, weird shit that I've done. So, um, I suppose I always knew that a daily practice was going to be the thing that made the difference, Mm. not just the daily practice, but a consistent daily practice. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of people hear that, you know, oh, well, you know, um, meditation's so great and you're like yeah apparently it's so great but you know why am i ever going to do it or you know there's something that blocks stops you doing it until you finally do it right yes um and so for me uh i knew that i needed that daily practice in order to upgrade to the next phase of my offering um and what offering to the world to the world yeah yeah um and I went to a talk on a meditation technique that is, um, it's the same as this, but it's a, it's a, it's, it's got a different name to Vedic meditation. And I, I, 
there were videos of like celebrities saying how wonderful the technique was and mm. you know all these sorts of things and I just was like god I, I really felt deep inside me that this was it and I couldn't bring myself to sign up um because That's it just yeah it just didn't feel um pure and it didn't feel genuine it was very mm. Americanized um that was here in Frio long right. time ago and um Anyway, and so then I was like weird because I I was sure that was it, and then um, it wasn't, and so I was a little bit disappointed. But I just went about doing the other things that I did, kind of half-heartedly with my daily practice, not mm -hmm. consistently. And then my um, sister called me from New York, and she said, "Hey, Lana, I think I found what you're looking for." And she said, "I've just learnt to meditate with Tom Knowles. Look him up." Mm. And um, so I looked him up and I was like, ah, okay, that's what I'm looking for. And so then we um, managed to find, uh, I was like, well, how am I going to, I'm not in New York, I'm in Perth. And, you know, um, how am I going to find this? And there's, uh, there's a lady in the hills who actually studied with Tom when he was living in Sydney a long time ago, 25 years ago or something, I think it was. I don't know. And, um, <coughs> and so anyway, I found her and she initiated me, which means she gave me my mantra mm -hmm. um, and took me through the four-day course that we do with everyone. It's a 90-minute-a-day four-day course. And uh, oh, that was it. I was meditating. Um, and then I went to India and spent 10 days with Tom Knowles. Right. And um, I was like, this is it. This is – I'm no longer a seeker. I've found the knowledge. I found the the pure knowledge, and that right. comes from the Veda. And so, how did that feel? Um, you know, it was interesting because you know people always talked about finding a guru or something like that. You know, and I was always a bit like, hey, I don't know if I'll ever find a guru, or you know, like it sort of was a little. I didn't know because mm -hmm. I've always been interested in so many different things. I didn't know how I would be. Um, how it would feel for me if I found that, you know, and I suppose really what it is, is it's the knowledge that made me so excited. Um, and that was exciting, you know, like mm. I, I kind of went, wow, this is, um, cause this sometimes is the anticipation, the anticipation and the journey of trying to find something yeah. is the exciting yeah. thing. And then you yeah. get there, it's like, yeah. oh, is this it? Yeah, and I never really had that. Like I just sort of wanted to explore and, and because I've done so many different um, avenues of, of self-development and growth, I, I didn't know where I would, if, if ever, I would find it. And I wasn't searching for that. But once I found it, I went, oh, mm. right, there you go. This um, is on. This is on. And so then I... Um, did all of the prerequisite study in order to um, be able to apply to become an initiator, which is a teacher of Vedic meditation, and then um, had three interviews uh, before I was so filled out all the information, did all the prerequisites, had three interviews with teachers, um, and then got accepted onto the course and went to India for three months. And um, well, I actually went for four and a half months, but the training was three months. Yeah. About 21 hours a day for three months. So it was, 21 hours a day. So it was quite intense, yeah. So that's, what, three hours of sleeping? Yeah, yeah. But meditation is two to five times more restful than sleep. So if you're meditating a lot 
funnily enough, you don't need to sleep so much. And I, I, I had an embodied experience of that when I was in India. Right. Yeah. How much do you sleep now? Um, Out of curiosity. Look, it really depends. I try and rest my body for, mm. um, you know, I would say about seven hours a night. Um, that doesn't mean I'm unconsciously sleeping that whole time, but I want to be um, in a in a restful state because that's yeah. when the body can um, do its thing, do its thing and, and you can not be doing other things, doing that action achievement cycle, and you can be being more so when you're laying horizontal. Mm. So, yeah. So... When you first sort of got into it and when you got to that whole, oh, this is on, this mm. is it, were there any major sort of breakthroughs, enlightenments, epiphanies at that point? Um, I mean, I realized that this is what I wanted to be able to offer um, my my patients or practice members, people that come into to have Cairo because it's self-empowering for people and it means that people are decreasing the stress in their bodies for themselves. Mm. And really that's another thing that separates Vedic meditation from other meditation techniques is the way it works, the mantra works with your nervous system right. and actually clears the stress within your, your body. Um, and mm. so by uh, teaching people to meditate, you're empowering them to do that for themselves rather than only once a week when they come in and lay on my table for 45 minutes or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. Um, and so that was big for me to recognize, wow, if this has made the shifts it has inside of me, what can that be doing for other people as well, mm. you know. Um, mm. So that was huge. And then, um, you know, I've had a few moments along the journey rather than sort of at the start of the journey um, of um, epiphanies or mm. moments where I'm like, ah, oh, you know, aha, that sort of thing. I was going to ask you about, because this must be a journey with, uh, at times, you know, you're doing it and things are happening, um, you know, some things are happening, sometimes not. And then I'm sure there are times when it just all seems to peak for you or, I don't know. Mm. What's the journey like with it, of the practice? Um, look, if you do it every day, twice a day for 20 minutes, it's um, it'll take you on a, on a ride and it's a really enjoyable one. Mm. Um, if you don't do it, it's not going to make any changes and you're not going to have a journey. Strangely enough, because <laughs> yeah. you're not in um, the driving seat. Yeah, and it's been interesting <laughs> since being a teacher to see how the journey is different for other yeah. people, everyone you that know that was one of the questions i wanted to ask yeah you. yeah and so so for me the journey was basically um i don't know the easiest way to say say it would be an upward one where it was just literally having consciousness shifts and um greater awareness heightened sensory um apparati apparatuses yeah um, uh you know feeling more connected being able to sense more things and you know for me as a chiropractor that's also a really um big part of what i do is is sensing other people's nervous systems and so it's i feel um really increased my um offering as a chiropractor yeah. as well but also in life and and to be honest with you you know i i'm not someone who ever I'm very blessed that I never seem to suffer from anxiety or depression or anything like that. But I realize now in hindsight, I wasn't very happy previously yeah. in my life. 
now that I'm living more so with the bliss chemistry in my body rather than, you know, adrenaline and cortisol, stress, stress, stress chemistry running around my body, um, I'm just kind of, I, I talk to my students about being like Smurfs. You become Smurf-like, like you're just like, la, 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 walking down the street and you realize you're having these moments of spontaneous bliss and happiness and that's yeah. from the meditation mm. you know and that's such a wonderful way to live and really day to day i'm generally happy and happy in a in in a different way to what i i would have always said i was happy yeah. but this is a whole different level um yeah sorry were you going to say something oh. uh, um and then with other with my students you know some people who have had major anxiety a lot of people that um, start meditating and things like that is because they're either high functioning, high level, they need to be switched on all the time and have lots of creative thought. You know, they're, they're CEOs, you know, very high functioning people in the world um, who all have a practice because it means that you um, reach that next level, but also you can sustain your, your, your lifestyle as well mm. because you're going into that deep rest and you're expanding your, yourself. Um, but then another, a lot of people also get into it because of anxiety, panic attacks, those sorts of things. And, um, it's just been wonderful watching that journey with people moving through, starting to meditate and feeling like amazing and being like, Oh my God. And then, you know, like, and then coming back into some anxiety and some stress again, and then continuing to meditate. And then I, I just had, um, a patient come in to work the other day and she was just like, I'm, I'm great. I'm fantastic. And it's been like, um, about eight months since she's been learned to meditate and she's just, she's not having anxiety. She's not, she was having full blown panic attacks mm. and things like that. And she's not having any of that anymore. And she's just, she's happy. Um, and that's pretty cool. Do you think, okay. Cause Mental health is becoming more and more prevalent. Yeah. Right? We're, we're able to talk talk about it a mm -hmm. lot more. I mean, you know, I've had a hundred odd conversations and, and people going to dark spots and light spots and dark spots mm -hmm. is just a part of it all. And one of the many impacts that I would like WA Real to have is to play its role in normalizing the discussion about people going on a journey. And it's not just all, you know, glossy gray mm -hmm. all at the same time that we do go through journeys yeah. and stuff. But then there's a part of me that gets slightly irritated about the discussion around mental health because it, at times it's almost like, oh, people are going through mental health problems. Poor them. Like, mm -hmm. You know, this yeah. and the other. And there's more and more, and I've started to zero in on a daily practice of some description of just mm -hmm. doing things routinely, yeah. whether it's get up at this point in time. Um, and get up before the second the snooze yes um do the daily greens mm -hmm. do some journaling mm -hmm. and just do it do it every day not with an outcome in mind just to do it for doing its sake and then just see what happens and mm -hmm. then it opens up capacity and space mm -hmm. for me and then all of a sudden shit that i was anxious about before a little bit anxious, but nowhere near as prevalent. I'm mm. not getting caught. I'm not getting mm. stuck. Mm. Do you think 
by even having a daily practice alone, you're almost doing your own housekeeping. You're sweeping the house, whether it's in your body, in your mind. And you're actually, you know, taking that responsibility of doing your own house cleaning. Mm. And so therefore, that plays a significant role in reducing anxiety, reducing depression, reducing this Mm. stuff does that make sense yeah yeah it does because i don't know some sometimes i rub people up the wrong way because it's kind of like yeah i have all the empathy in the world for you because you have chronic anxiety and stuff but mm-hmm. what are you actually bloody doing about mm. it because you can't sit in wallet what, what can we do yeah. yeah yeah it's cool that you got to this point it's cool that you're talking about it. it's cool that you acknowledged it you, yeah it's cool that you're trying to understand it but you've also got to have a go forward as yeah, well. And yeah. Am I being high achiever in that? Am I being like outcome focused or am I just install something? Yeah. Look, it, it I was just listening to you talking about people, you know, reducing anxiety and mm, stuff. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting one because it depends how crippling the anxiety is. And this is sort of me putting Dr. Lana hat on a little mm. bit for a moment where what we're looking at is, you know, some people have such severe anxiety and PTSD that they are actually crippled and they can't do a daily practice for themselves. Mm. Like that's literally too much. Um, so that's when they need to seek um, a, a healthcare practitioner yeah. or something like that in order to the, get themselves to the point where they can then start doing those daily things for themselves. Mm. I don't think that having any external fix is ever the correct thing. I think, you know, going to someone to fix me is not the the right mentality because no one can fix you. You can only fix yourself. But a lot of the time you need some guidance. If you're yeah. in that full-blown panic, you're not in that state. Um, yeah. So you're able to do those daily practices and see the difference that it's bringing into your life. And I do believe that the solution for everyone is to have a daily practice because our world... Of something. Of something. I mean, the big things for me are obviously Vedic meditation. Um, I do the type of chiropractic that I do and some other people around Perth and Frio area do, uh, um, you know, is, is reducing nervous system stress. You know about TRE. That's fantastic for nervous system stress. Tremoring, yeah. Tremoring, yeah. Um, Kundalini yoga, you know, different things that are working with your nervous system and clearing somatic experiencing. That's a body-based psychotherapy. It Mm. helps to clear out, um, not only you know, having a conversation or, or stresses that are in your head, it's out of your body. Yeah. Because what we do is we store memories of tension and trauma in our body. So yeah. we need to clear it out of the body. And that's what Vedic meditation does and all those other things I listed off yeah. do. So um, weeding out the crap. Yeah. And we're not going to go and sit and, you know, um, talk to someone about it for hours and keep reinforcing those neural pathways. How about let's shift it out of our, our body and our nervous Nervous system. system. And so, you know, um, I, but really the empowering side is when you have that daily practice practice and you're doing it for yourself and then you go and see a practitioner and it's like a bonus, Yes, you know, you, you, you're, you know, you're making a massive shift and you're walking out of the room going, whoa, you know, I, I accessed that so much quicker than what I would have done on my own or mm. whatever. Mm. But um, I'm sustaining myself. And the thing is, is there's so much stress in the Western world um, every single day that if we, I believe if you don't have a daily practice, you're just literally just filling up with more and more stress and things are going to become more and more clouded within your being. You're going to, um, you know, you're going to notice that you have less 
adaptation ability and energy you're not going to be able to um you know if a stressful thing comes in you're going to react rather than respond to the situation you know we need to all be doing everyone in the west we need to all be doing a daily practice yeah and then comes full circle to what you were saying before about raising consciousness and there being so much hate yes and and fear and yeah. what have you yeah yeah so is I'm, that almost the symptom of a lack of daily practice on a it's broad a sim- scale it's a symptom of stress it's a symptom of you know your nerve if my nervous system is filled you know my body um is filled with stress am i going to feel like coming over and giving you a cuddle and and helping you you know an old granny walk across the road or am i going to feel like you know ripping someone's head off and screaming at my boss or you know worse you know there's lots of things that are going on in the world mm. at the moment and to me that's a sign of of the stress the collective stress on on the planet i'm letting that soak in <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, I can almost see it as almost like a system whereby you've got these symptoms, which shows you that the symptoms are a product of a, a cause and, you know, mm. yeah, and just being at the whim of everything that goes on unless you have a daily practice yeah. to build some space, to build some capacity, to make a choice within that. That's right. And you're at, at a whim of what's going on within your nervous system. So you could be feeling really happy and great mm. and walking down the street. And then there's a there's an unconscious trigger. They're called precognitive commitments, but an unconscious trigger that happens to you that is around you it could be the color of blue in the sky or whatever it is. Mm. And then all of a sudden you're a stress bag again and you're like feeling grumpy and you're having a fight with with your partner or whatever it, it is because it triggers, triggers something inside of you that's still there from a time that's right and and if you're not conscious enough to be able to recognize it and mm. dial it back or you haven't cleared it out of your body from these practices that we're talking about then you just you're you know you're a yo-yo you're you're going wherever your um stress levels are are taking you and whatever's going on around in the world you know you whatever's happening outside of you is going to depict how you feel rather than having an inner fulfillment and an inner um, state of peace where whatever's, it doesn't matter what's happening outside of you, you've got that unwavering, centered, quiet, peaceful state. Imagine if the whole world was like that. One of the questions I asked, in podcasts like this is what do you think Western Australia alone would be like if everybody gave it a crap yeah that's right I mean it would just be the whole day to day life would be way more pleasant for everyone yes you know it just would be that's the that's the bottom line and there'd be a lot more community focus um, because Mm. we're not trying to build a community we just naturally are a community because we're in a state of love rather than stress and when you're in a state of love and bliss, you're moving through life aware of other people. When we're in a state of stress, we've got tunnel vision. This is literally what happens yeah. with the physiology. We go into tunnel vision. And so we can't see anything outside of us. And we all know lots of people that can't see anything outside of oh, themselves. Yeah. Get yeah. out of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, there's no way the whole planet's going to change and all that sort of thing. But my, my teacher, Tom, talks about... A trim tab, and this is something he learned from um, 
his teacher who was in in, in India, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who it's um it's who the Beatles went and spent time with. They right. were in the ashram at the same time as Tom. Quite a cool bunch of people back in the those days out mm. in India. But they they talk about the trim tab, and now a trim tab is so if you've got a massive ship, right, and you have a rudder. Yes. And the rudder is trying to cha- move the ship, okay, big, steer, big, the, yeah. steer the ship. They worked out that the rudder couldn't steer the ship because, you know, of the weight ratio and all that sort of thing. But then they put this little guy on the end of the rudder called the trim tab. Yeah. And so if you move the trim tab, that then moves the rudder and the rudder then moves the whole right. ship. So all you need is the trim tab to make the change enough of um, of a change within the planetary you know consciousness yeah. to to be part of the shift and everything will change with it yeah. so we don't need everyone doing this stuff we need people that are feeling like oh hang on a minute this is resonating with me i know what she's talking about she's not crazy um, you know and all the people you're interviewing and all that sort of thing if we have enough people raising their consciousness and basically what i mean by that is decreasing the stress in their bodies mm. then we're going to see a, a knock-on effect throughout yeah. the planet so let's be the trim tab i'm kind of selfish that but if you work on yourself and i've mm. long thought that it's incumbent upon every individual to spend at least at the time i thought 20 minutes just doing some work on yourself. Yeah. Just trying to understand how you operate and this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do that on yourself, then you immediately make your own world a whole lot better, mm-hmm. irrespective of everybody else that's in it. That's but right. But then by doing that, you then become a beacon. You become a beacon most And nervous systems talk to one another. They entrain. That's right. There's an entrainment between nervous systems. And everyone who's been doing work on themselves, like I had a patient come in and say you know her dad's like she's always had a a difficult relationship Mm. with her father she's about you know our age she's not young or anything like as in a child or anything she's an adult (laughs) yeah we're young but not you know um she's not a child she's an adult and she came in and she's like i've been making all of these shifts and you know last time i was on the table something big shifted and then I got home and my dad called me and he told me he loved me and he hasn't told me that my whole life. Right. Right. And that's because if you make a shift within yourself, you're impacting the world around you Yes, and the energy field. Especially the immediate people around you. That's right. You're impacting the energy field around you and, Mm. you know, people go, well, you know, how's that possible? Well, you know, one thing that most people are aware of nowadays is that, nothing is solid you know this table it looks solid but it's a bunch of vibrating cells in the shape of a table densely vibrating but you know and so you've got a vibe i've got a vibe you know you meet someone i either like your vibe or i don't like your vibe it's literally down (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it's literally because you know you're vibrating you know you're vibrating in the shape of Bryn, and i'm vibrating in the shape of lana you know and so if if we're all vibrations then if we're shifting our own vibration then we're going to have an impact on those vibrations around us Mm. and so actually um and it's another quantum physics theory um that you know everything came from the big bang so if absolutely everything came from the big bang then guess what we're all one and we're all connected Mm -hmm. right if we all came from the same source hang on a minute that means we're all there's a thread that connects absolutely everything you and me, the fly, 
the, t- the table, you know, anything. So if we're making shifts within ourselves, then we're making a shift to more than just ourselves because actually, mm. well, there is only self, but also, um, you know, you're going to make an impact on, mm. on those around you. So, And this is really interesting if you put it into the context of um, a relationship or close set of friends or even somewhere where you work because, you know, how often do we sit there and go, oh, I just like things to be different like this, but mm. I want to bring my partner, my friend along with me and I'm not mm. going to go until they're ready. No, go and just bloody do it mm. and be the beacon, be the light. Yeah, yeah. And they'll follow. That's right. Or won't. That's right. And that is cool too. That's right. And, you know, if you do this stuff, you know, um, they'll be more available to you and you'll have different a different sort of relationship with those people as well. It doesn't mm. mean that necessarily you're going to grow apart. It might mean that, you know, there's something more available that you weren't able to see before because you were clouded with stress, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, and some people follow and some people don't. Mm. It's interesting what you're saying earlier on about... CEOs coming to you as well mm. because one of the one of the things that I explore through the podcast is um, so I, I want to be the best I can be I want mm-hmm. to be excellent um, so I we grew, better get Vedic meditating then well yeah I think you've sold me <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well you, you might do with this answer right? <laughs> um, you know I agree I grew up in a boys' boarding school where, you know, I, I, I swam in an environment of excellence. Yes. We were aiming at A's. Yeah. Which has pressure to it, but then also just meant that I grew up with very high standards and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But those standards and, and those models of excellence were handed to me. And then when I left that environment and went into the outside world, mm. they didn't work. Mm. And they pissed a lot of people off around me. And yeah. some worked and some didn't. Yeah. And so part of what I've realized is, is I'm going back to... I'm unrepentant now about wanting to be excellent, but I've got to define the model for myself. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I want to be give as much, get as much, do my best. Mm-hmm. You know, um, people who I I work with part of the time of the week, they know just how hard I turn up at work, and that can be confronting and you know and great and exciting and all of that mm-hmm. mixed up in one. But they know where my heart comes from. You know, people around me know that, you know, we're in the train, it's training hard, but that's because, that's, you know, I just want to be. Yeah. So I'm always looking for things that I can do which can help me to understand that model of excellence for myself mm-hmm. and practices that can then deliver that. So I'm quite interested in the fact that, you know, you have high-performing, high-achieving people mm-hmm. coming mm-hmm. And, and that is... So is this almost like another high-performance skill, a high-performance practice as well to a degree yeah I mean do you see where I'm going I see where you're going yeah um so it's definitely high performance you know really in the end what you talk my response to you would be raise your consciousness state as clearly as possible and then all of that will be available to you without having to push yes yeah so um you know and and the more you reduce stress in your physiology then the clearer you are and Mm. the more room there is for creative thought. And I don't just mean for creatives. I mean creative thought. Like at at work, there's high-pressure environment. There's a lot going on. No one, you know, let's pretend we're at NASA. No one can think about how to get these astronauts back home, you know. And then the meditator's just sitting there and has this thought come in from 
Where are from they? nowhere. Well, and it's not nowhere, the, is it? It's not nowhere, but there's the answer, you know, because so there's, they've got room, they've got space within their being to access that. Yeah, an infinite knowledge. That's right. And that's the Veda, you know. Right. Um, and, and so then you're, you know, then all of a sudden flow seems to come into life into your life because that flow meaning like as in things start to flow within life you know you're not pushing shit uphill anymore or you're not having to have excellence practices you're just excellent (laughs) right right and the universe conspires to help you that's right because you're you're dipping your toe in every day twice a day for 20 minutes say you know saying hi to the universe and you know, saying, hey, I, I want, use me, use me as you need me to go out into the world and, and do whatever it is that I'm here to do. You know, so rather than trying, it becomes a, a natural default. And I'm not saying you're, yeah. do, you, do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not saying yeah. that you're, um, you're trying or anything, but, it, but what I found, it's, I it's suppose, yes, it's drive and that's fantastic. And that's a big part of why you're even doing this podcast. You know, most people couldn't be bothered. Right. Mm. Um, and, you know, and that's part of your offering as well. Right. Mm. But also what I found for myself is like how naturally things open or um, I suppose how my offering has changed as I have cleared my, my nervous system of mm. stress and, and cleared my being of stress and how I don't. I mean, I was an elite athlete. So yeah. I know all about like drive. drive and pushing and all that sort of thing. But really, you know, are you doing that from a healthy place or are you doing that from a not so healthy place or is that yeah. sustainable? You know, a lot of the type of pushing and excellence that we have in the West isn't a sustainable one. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. you know, CEOs would burn out without this meditation technique. Yeah. But because they do that and they're, you know, dipping their toe into the, the ocean yeah. of you know consciousness and the cosmos every day they're able to sustain that and therefore able to have a greater impact and that's interesting because yeah there's been times in the past where i've you know drove really hard and in an unsustainable manner mm. now you know at the age of 44 i'm i'm developing well, practices and things are coming into my life which are far more sustainable yes you know, no longer am i doing things like the solo swim to Rottnest or the yeah. triathlon, which I've done, <laughs> yeah, 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 and and, and are awesome experiences, uh-huh. and, and and have demonstrated at times that you know certainly the solo swim to Rottnest was that anything is possible yeah. if you set your mind to it. Yeah. And Jesus, I was rooted for six months afterwards. <laughs> yeah. And and the identity of being a Rottnest channel swimmer, it took me ages to get rid of it. Yes. And oh, then yeah. to move to a movement practice where all I do now is a move. Yeah. Yeah. Every day I go yeah. to a studio and, yeah. learn and move yeah. my body in different ways. Yeah. And, stuff. and so that is way more sustainable. Mm-hmm. And now whew, I've got this like sustainable, effortless mm. sense of excellence. And yeah. so yeah. That's the sh- at the age of 44, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Yeah. Well, and the reason why you were stuffed for six months after the Roto Swim was because you put your body through so much stress and it already was holding so much stress mm. that, you know, people wonder why... You know, um, people drop dead of heart attacks when they were really healthy. You know, oh, well, he was so healthy. He used to run marathons and all those sorts of things. And I don't know why he dropped dead of a heart attack at 50. It's because he had so much stress in his body. And then 
you know, that sort of level of exercise is mm. just increasing your stress even more. So it's just putting your body into fight or flight, mm. you know, more so. And you're asking your heart to pump harder and your blood, you know, is is going to thicken because yeah. of the response of being in fight or flight and all these different things. Mm. And then therefore, you know, what's the biggest killer in the West? Heart attack and stroke, you know, and that's yeah. because we're stressed and then we add stress. Yes. You know, so by doing movement and, you know, particularly the type of movement that you're doing and all those sorts of things, you know, like you're you're moving your body, but you're not putting it into a state of stress. Yeah. Very important. I'm putting it in and then taking it out. That's right. Considered. Dipping in and dipping out. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting how, you know, I used to I used to say to friends, you know, the, the you know, in the, the two to three weeks leading up to an event, it's an endurance event. It's mm-hmm. like, I used to say to them, in weeks time you know or in days time after the event the top drawer of performance will lock itself and you will not be able to find the key yeah and that's because the event's gone yeah yeah and then you then the injuries crop up yeah all the things that you, you were just masking and mm-hmm. covering over yeah mm-hmm. and then you go oh it's getting quite dark yeah yeah it's fascinating talking to you about and one of the things that's really coming out is the just the impact of our nervous system. Mm. You know, it's easy to talk about food. It's easy to talk about being healthy. Mm-hmm. It's easy to like, oh, what's going on in our mind? But our actual nervous system seems to be one of the biggest things that comes out of this. Yes. And one of the things that often, you know, one of the one of the beauties and equally the curses of doing an NLP course is I listen to the words that people use uh-huh. quite sensitively. Yeah. And so when somebody goes, oh yeah, I've been watching TV, that Donald Trump, he really makes me mad. And the word, he makes me. Yes. They make me. It makes me. Mm-hmm. That really irks me. Yeah. Because ultimately it's you. Yes, that's right. But then I guess what I'm seeing now is it's actually more your nervous system. Yes. Which is you. That's right. But again... Let's have let's have an appropriate focus. Mm. It's not Donald Trump. It's not your friend no. in a pub. It's not you're getting triggered, mm-hmm. and it's your nervous system. Yeah, stress that's... isn't outside of you. It's something that's within you. Yeah. So you know, you and I could be walking down the street and have the exact same <coughs> event happen to mm. us, and one of us could respond in one way, and one of us could respond in the other way, depending on our nervous system. Yeah. Um. You know, so something that could have been like a life-defining huge trauma for one person um, could then be like a uh, an awakening for another or you know a um, you know someone else might be able to sort of see the divine timing in all of it or, mm. or whatever it is just depending on on what's going on within you you know it's it's yeah it, it's stress that's something that's the key thing stress isn't outside of you it's not Donald yeah. Trump it's how you're feeling inside yeah um, and what reaction is happening within the chemistry of the body. You're li- mm. It's literally to do with, you know, the, all the biochemicals that are running around your body. Um, and then that's telling you that you're stressed. Yes. You know, um, and, and we're really, people are really good at making it not them because then yeah. they don't have to deal with it too, right? Oh, they don't have to take responsibility it's easy for way it. out, isn't it? Yeah. It's not yeah. the take responsibility route that yeah. involves work. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. How, um, so this is part of your business, your living, your livelihood. Mm-hmm. How do you go about 
marketing this? And how do you have clients that just sort of, that seem in a word, just nav- naturally gravitate towards you? <laughs> or do you actually go out and actively market this as well? All right, so the short answer is no, I don't market. I It's all word of my mouth, my whole yeah. clinic. <clears throat> I've never... Um, put flyers out anywhere or, Mm. you know, even social media, I'm pretty uh, terrible with. Um, So it's all been word of mouth, really. And that's, um, I want people who are are wanting to make changes. I don't want to go out and get Joe Bloggs in and try and force something on him that he's not or Mm. she is not ready to um, Mm. do. So it's about um, people will find it when, when it's when the inquiry is there, you know, if there's mm. worthy inquiry from someone, then I will do, you know, um, anything to help assist that journey. But if there isn't the inquiry, then, you know, uh, even in my clinic, I do work with the nervous system, but then I also just do cracky Cairo, you know, where you're, you're adjusting someone. Yeah, and cracky de- yeah depending on um, their inquiry, I can adjust someone and help their pain, or we can work with their nervous system. So mm. it'll depend on how they're presenting. And so, no, I don't market. So it's a big deal that I came on the podcast because, yeah. you know, I, I, it's not something that I've done. And, um, you know, Vedic meditation is huge around the world. And in Perth, no one knows about it, you yes. know. Um, and I would love it to grow. And so um, maybe doing a little bit more marketing would be good. Um, but I also, you know, believe that, it's so good that people will start going, Hey, Bryn, what is it that you're doing that's different? Yes. There's something different about you, you know, and then yes. that sort of thing. So, so strangely enough, the sustained outcome of change within the people that do it become your marketer. Yeah, that's right. Isn't that the best? Be the message. I was going to say, that's yeah. the most authentic. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Don't listen to me. Look at the people. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You knew Dave six months ago now look at him mm-hmm. he used to be a jerk now he's not yeah that's right but <laughs> he's so stressed out yeah no one wanted to hang out with him totally you know and, and Tom my teacher he um, has been asked by Oprah many times he's a bit of a celeb over in the States and stuff but to go on um, you know Oprah and talk about Vedic meditation and he just he, he refuses to do it because he doesn't want people doing it because it's cool or he doesn't want, yeah, he doesn't want people doing it, you know, who are going to, you know, receive their mantra and then, you know, half ass do it, but not actually be really having that inquiry. Mm. You know, when you're ready to do it, call me, I'll, I'll, you know, initiate you, Mm. we'll do the four day course, 90 minutes a day for four days. And then you're, you're meditating, not doing it because it's the latest fashion, you know, it's on It's part of you. Because then it's more sustainable. And also then you've got more purity with, with the teaching and that sort of thing rather than it just mm. being a celebrity sort of... Do you find that when the people come and do the four days that then that getting through the first 28, 30 days is more straightforward for them because they are motivated? Yeah, look, I, I give people a six-week challenge. That might be the sporto in me. I don't know. Yeah, but um, yeah. Sometimes you need to play it. Yeah. And also with six weeks, it's a really good time frame with your nervous system to be making some change. I say Mm. to everyone, meditate twice a day for 20 minutes for six weeks. And then then you can make an educated decision about whether you want to continue or not. Yeah. And, you know, 
anyone who has done the meditation twice a day, every day for um, six mm. weeks, I haven't had anyone yet that goes, oh, no, nah, it's not for me. Yeah. And chucks it in. That's yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and, you know, like if you miss one of those 20-minute slots, it, you know, then you always have an opportunity the following afternoon or the following morning to get back on the bandwagon. You yeah. know, like it's not, um, oh, no, I've... I've completely stuffed it it's like well every day you've got an opportunity twice yeah. to get back to your practice yeah you know even if one were to drop off for unexpected yeah. reasons no. yeah so be it yeah hmm what have you learned about yourself through all of this um god there's been a lot, <laughs> a lot of learning about myself um you know, it was interesting that you mentioned about your identity as the Roto swimmer. You know, yeah. for me, my um, I've played hockey since Minky, which is do you know what Minky is? Yeah, it's my like, daughter. I play. Yeah, right. Started at Minky's and yeah. is twelve and still playing. Yeah. Oh right, there you go. Who does she play for? Fremantle uh, Magpies. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so you know, I had a huge identity of the athlete. You mm. know, um, a, a hockey player you know, my friends, my, my success, my, everything was all based around that. And, um, yes, you know, and, and I didn't, at the time I didn't recognize, or for a lot of years, I didn't recognize how much that was part of my identity, but also how limiting that was as well. Mm. Because um, as soon as you, you know, strongly identify with something, then you're putting a box around yourself to be that something. Yes. Um, and, so, yeah, that was a really that was massive for me when I when I broke up from hockey. Broke um, up. <laughs> yeah, there was there were I was sobbing. You know, there yeah. was there was a, it was a big deal. But I also knew um, that I couldn't keep doing what I was doing if I wanted to offer what I wanted to offer. And and there there there, there came a time where it was no longer aligned, or was it ever aligned? Probably not. But there came a time where I couldn't keep pretending anymore mm. to be in that box when I clearly wasn't, you know, I'm wearing malas and I, you know, mm. like going to India every year and, you know, hockey players don't do that. Right. Um, <laughs> so that was big for me. That was, I learned a lot about myself and about that identity, you know, that how you form identities around things. And so then, you know, when I studied chiropractic and, um, you know, even meditation teaching and all that sort of thing, it doesn't, it, it's not, that's not who I am. That's part of my offering, but it's not who I am. You mm. know, I'm, I'm an unwavering, um, version of Lana, um, no matter what is going on outside of me, you know, and I suppose that's also why I do offer quite a few different things as well is so mm. that it's not just, oh, I'm only this or whatever. I don't know. Is that a all right answer? <laughs> insurance <laughs> i'm not him taking mark <laughs> the listeners mark yeah. <laughs> great can't wait to read the comments yeah there you go um what does the next three to five years look like for you if i look at the last three to five years i wouldn't be able to predict mm. what it's going to be um because um the evolution train is choo-chooing along, choo-choo, you know, and we're, I'm just going with whatever. And, and really, um, 
the need of the time, you know, the need of the population. That's something that I feel I will always sort of adapt and move with. Um, and, you know, really I want to build the Vedic meditation in, in Perth, meditation mm. community, sorry, in Perth. You know, I do a free group meditation every Tuesday night for Vedic meditators, you know, and um, it's really fun for everyone to have other people that are doing the thing, you know, and, and we all get together and we talk nerdy Vedic you know, stuff or ask questions about our practice or whatever it is. And then, um, you know, so it's a knowledge session and then we all meditate together. And, um, you know, that, that's really, it's really fun and it's really positive. Um, and it helps people feel supported within the group. So I'd like to do more and more of that sort of stuff, you know, building the, the Vedic meditation community and, um, seeing where that leads, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, what are you grateful for? Being, being alive, being on the planet at this time, you know, I God, I don't mean to sound like I'm wearing crushed velvet and <laughs> you crushed know, velvet. holding gemstones or anything, but <laughs> you know, it's such an exciting time to be on the planet. And, um, why is that? Well, there's a lot of need and there's there's a real opportunity to when in this time um i'm trying to think of how to say this without going into really a lot of stuff but um the the time on the earth is called kali yug and it's a it's a a time where there's um you know we can see it around us destruction and hate and you know all that sort of stuff but in that time the the possibility of becoming enlightened of clearing your nervous system enough to be able to be completely in a state where you're connected with one and all is it, it it's much easier to become enlightened in this sort of time on the planet than you know a time when the trim tab has turned and everyone's more pleasant to each other mm. and so it's a really exciting time to be around but also it means it's interesting that, that. Yeah. yeah. And it also means that you can make a, a, a difference. Every single person, you know, don't believe that you can't make a difference when there's so much need in the, you know, on the planet at this time, then every action um, can make a difference to the world and to other people's lives. And, you know, or if you love animals to, to animals or, you know, whatever it is, the trees, Mother Earth, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I, I'm grateful to be here at this time. Mm. And I'm grateful for everyone who's taught me so many things throughout my life, you know, heartbreak and, you know, hockey and chiropractic school and you know my you know all of that has it's all been information that has been coming into my nervous system that my nervous system has had to adapt to and um you know change and grow and evolve from you know we need stress outside of us in order to evolve that's how you know evolution happens on the planet you yeah. know nothing stays the same it's survival of the fittest so i'm grateful for all the shit that I've been through, but also all the, the love and support and all that sort of thing. So, um, and having the tool of teaching people Vedic meditation, honestly, for me is it's, I feel so blessed to, um, be able to offer that to people because it's self empowering mm. and it's, such an amazing tool and it's technology from 5,000 years ago. So oh, I love that. yeah, it's, it's, it's like, 
you know, gives you goosebumps. Mm. Um, and for me, out of everything that I've done, the Vedic meditation is 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 it is the the next level of mm. of offering. So, yeah. Do you have anything else in your daily practice? Because obviously we know the big part of your daily practice. Yeah, well, so I practice Vedic meditation every day, twice a day for 20 minutes. Um, and then I also do TRE, you know. Uh, tremoring. Yeah, yeah. tremoring um, a couple of times a week. D- you know, depending on how I'm going. If, if I don't feel like I need it, then I won't do it. But it is something that I go to, especially if I've got some body mm-hmm. discomfort. Um, I also get on the table and have... Um, I call it hippie chiro, hippie chiropractic, but it's actually nervous system chiropractic where it's right. um, it's either called network spinal analysis or biogeometric integration. It's a way of working with the nervous system within chiropractic. So I do that mm. once a week. So that's what you do to yourself? No. No, right. I go and see someone. Right. Um, and then um, I also love to go to kundalini yoga. I often only get there once a week, but I'd love to do it twice a week as well. But so they're big things that really make a difference to my nervous system and they're my daily practice. I do have somatic experiencing sometimes, which is that body-based psychotherapy that I mentioned. And that for me is when I feel that, okay, there's something that's come up that I want to to access in that that way. So that's not so much a weekly practice for me, but Mm. it's there in the, you know, in the tool belt. Yeah. So, but yeah, daily practice Vedic meditation, weekly practices are the other things. So, yeah. Mm. One of the last questions I, I asked my guests is um, if you could take a little nugget of information and just upload it into the collective consciousness so we all just get it, mm. what would it be? Well, I, I feel that. Um, that stress is not something outside of you, that it's within you, yeah. um, is, is, a, is a key thing for people to understand mm. because then you're no longer a victim to everything going on around you. Let's change your internal reality and therefore what's outside of you is going to appear different. Mm. Um, and so if everyone could understand that if they just did the stuff that you talk, were talking about, you know, that working on themselves mm. and just did that daily practice, that's what's going to make the, the difference in their lives. Um, and I, I suppose understanding the importance of, of your nervous system and your internal reality in that. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Thank you very much for talking to me today, Lana. Thanks. I've super, super enjoyed it. It's really, for me, it's, pushed home a few points Mm -hmm. that have been swirling around but I think just the whole zeroing in on having a practice Mm. and also truly understanding um, the role of our nervous system Mm. and what can we actively do to be responsible for that same as we would do you know our physical appearance by going to the gym that's right. Or, or keeping our house tidy or mm-hmm. something like that. It's, um, it's unseen, but obviously experienced and every mm. day. So, yeah, it's been super, super enjoyable. Thanks. It's been fun. Indeed. Thank you. Cheers. Oh, oh. where can people find you? Oh, um, <laughs> tr- trust me, we've not even thought about not that. Not even thought about um, that. 
So my website, which I have finally done, is evolve, the word evolve, ccc, so three c's, dot yep. com dot au. On Facebook, it's at Dr. Lana Loxton or evolve ccc mm. um, is my Facebook page. And I have a Vedic meditation course coming up at the end of June, um, beginning of July, and then one again booked in for August, but I'll probably do one in between. But So you can be in touch and we can chat about it. I'm happy to meet up with people and discuss it, all those sorts of things. Mm. And, um, you know... Uh, I think we've answered quite a few questions already. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> and provided lived experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Indeed. So... Yeah, that's where to find me. Super. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bryn.